You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Yeah, so you can go to the Argos and Stamps, and then you can go to the CNE and have some ketchup ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Oh, baby! Every week, Travis Kura. That's Grey Cup me, which is a different person. And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Oh, nearly intercepted it is! And it's over! Ready, set, hunt! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Kura with Janine of... Mouchoir, a Red Blacks podcast. I love that name. I love saying it. And uh, thanks for coming on the show and co-hosting this week. It's probably been, well, I talked to you to preview uh, the Red Black season, but yep. it's probably been, I don't know, four years since maybe two and out live in Edmonton at the Grey Cup since oh, you've been wow. on for a full show. Yeah, I think you might be right. That was, uh, those were the good old days when the no Red Blacks kidding. were winning. <laughs> We made it to Grey Cups. <laughs> those were such good days, Travis. What happened? What I happened don't to know. Those days? <laughs> hey, speaking of the good old days, did you see the Hudson Bay Company wants to resurrect the Zellers brand? <laughs> I did. I did see that. It was like all over the news today. And I, I don't know. This is what inflation does. It brings back <laughs> Zellers, I guess. <laughs> hey, so I was reading the article and it's like they want to like be a, a digital kind of thing and okay which is kind of hard to wrap my head around zellers being in the digital world but uh as long as they bring back the cafe i have fond memories of buying myself a brand new toy and having some fries and gravy at zellers so there you go there you go my little brother used to work at zellers in winnipeg so you know there's a long tradition of zellers shopping <laughs> and employment in this family so i was pretty i was i don't know it's funny how that kind of news makes you giddy but i guess it's the nostalgia factor right like exactly it's just straight up nostalgia so good for hudson bay <laughs> are, are my are my club z points still good i don't know <laughs> oh wow that's a that's a blowback Oh, yeah. Man, I I love this coming back. Hey, school supply shop. Ah, I could talk about Zellers for the whole hour. (laughs) (laughs) This episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. And Alberta Blue Cross understands that running a small business is tough. And they understand that business owners in Alberta are busy. So let Alberta Blue Cross give you peace of mind with a group benefit plan. They offer health, dental, life, and disability coverage for your employees. Alberta Blue Cross Group benefit plans are easy to manage anywhere, anytime, and on any device, making it easy for you and your employees to access. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. In the huddle with Kura and Todd on the Two and Out podcast. All right, week 11. And with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on by... We have a fair playing field. <laughs> although they, although they lost last week against, uh, Montreal, we won't go there quite yet, but the Ottawa Red Blacks hosting the Edmonton Elks this week, Friday night football, no Thursday nighter. And in a rare moment, the Red Blacks are slight favorites, but <laughs> Janine, what is it? One of the last 20 games they've won at home. It's, yeah, one of the not last nights. 
One of the last 19 is what they've, they've won at home. So last year, Caleb Evans first outing as quarterback was the one. (laughs) (laughs) And I wasn't even there. I wasn't at that game. I wasn't feeling well that night. So I stayed home, but. uh, So it's been a while since you've seen a win. I haven't seen a win since before the pandemic at home. I haven't seen a win at home since before the pandemic yet. It's, it's been rough. It's been a rough ride uh, going to TD place. And I got to tell you, not only are we at home, but our record coming off a bye ain't all that good either. So I'm frankly shocked the odds makers have us ahead. <laughs> I have to ask you about Caleb Evans because yep. from my perspective, he had two great games in a row. I believe it was against Toronto and uh, Montreal. Uh, he had a good game. And he was rushing. He had, you know, the couple touchdowns rushing. He was kind of, for fantasy football, he was a darling for a couple weeks. And then last week comes. And I feel like there's been a little bit of overreaction to the rough game because not only did the Ottawa offense struggle, so did Calgary. There, There were no touchdowns overall. It was just like both teams just didn't have it that day. But now... With that game, everybody's calling for Nick Arbuckle to get in there. And I I think Caleb Evans, I don't think he deserves all the flack he's gotten over the past week or two. There's a reason you're my favorite, Travis. <laughs> There's like I, I thought I was the only person in the whole league who was saying that, honestly. Like I am still on team Caleb Evans. Um I think every Every quarterback, including Bo Levi Mitchell, Michael Riley, and maybe one day in the future, Nathan Rourke has a bad game. Like yeah. every quarterback has a bad game. But the the criticism of Caleb Evans was outrageous, in my opinion, after the last game. And Arbuckle came in and his stats were quite inflated because he was playing in garbage time and Calgary was relaxing and he threw two interceptions and it's not like he's the second coming, but there's this, there's this impatience in the Ottawa fan base. And look, I get it. I haven't seen a home win since before the pandemic. So I get it, but nobody on offense was playing well last, last game for the Ottawa Red Blacks and Caleb Evans wears a lot by virtue of being a quarterback. That's part of the job. Um, but if I had to pick who starts, it's him. It's him who starts again. He hasn't done anything to not deserve the start. He had a really bad, Paul LaPolice called a really bad game last time. And the the receivers weren't able to get open or weren't running their routes. Like there are tons of reasons why he didn't have a good game last time. I think he deserves another chance and let's see if he can bounce back. And then I'll be, that's what I want to see. Can he bounce back from a game like that? And then we can start having the conversation about, is he ready? What else does he need? But give him that chance to bounce back. He, uh, You would have liked to have seen better completion percentage against Montreal in Week 7, but he threw for 297 yards, a touchdown, mm-hmm. no interceptions. And then Toronto, 24 of 29, yeah. 286, two touchdowns. And in, he, he ran for 52 yards against Montreal mm-hmm. and had two rushing touchdowns. But last week against Calgary... Two carries, six yards, and that was different from the previous three games where he was having some success. Yeah, it's like they went away from the recipe 
for Caleb that works. Like one of the things that is so impressive about him is his ability to get out of a trouble situation, use his own feet and his own speed, get out of trouble. And that touchdown to Jalen Acklin in the the win against Toronto was a perfect example where pocket collapsing, he was scrambling, uh, but he's fast and he's quick and he's athletic and scrambled out of a collapsing pocket and found Jalen in the, in the end zone. That that's what he is good at, but it seems like against Calgary, they just completely got away from that style of game for him. And, and I don't know why, like play to play to the man's strengths. That's one of his big strengths. Paul Lapalise was a part of the system in Winnipeg that gave Mike O'Shea the patience uh, Richie Hall, the patience, Kyle Walters, the patience to build that current winning system in Winnipeg. Is he going to be afforded the same patience in Ottawa? It's, it's tough to see that right now. I mm-hmm. mean, the guy lost his starting quarterback early in the season, so that doesn't help matters. The starting running back, William Powell, is not going to be playing this week. They're Injuries are a part of football, but at the same time, they're they're trying to rebuild the program in Ottawa, and those guys are big parts of it. No, for sure. And I think, um, you know, that's the other thing that there's an awful lot of, uh, you know, calls for Paul LaPolice to be to be fired. I don't I don't see what we gain firing the head coach midseason at all. I really um, it's not going to make things instantly better. Uh, ask the Montreal Alouettes about that. Didn't clear up their discipline issues, for example. Um but uh, I think he gets the season for sure. I think he gets the season to try to turn it around. Um, and a lot of people don't agree with me on that, and that's okay. I have said this a few times, and and I, I really fundamentally believe it. And I think it was when you had Joe Pritchard on that it kind of tweaked me to the to the fact that the three bottom teams, the head coach does double duty. Yeah. Paul Lapolis is, cre- is an offensive creative genius. That is known about him. He's not a creative offensive genius this year. And I really do wonder if it's just too much on his plate. Um, and there's a salary cap for coaches and I get it, I get it, I get it. But bring in an offensive coordinator. I really wanted Kahari to be brought in as an offensive coordinator when he was let go from the Alouettes, but Hamilton was just too quick. Bring in an offensive coordinator and let Paul be the head coach because I just think he's trying to do too much right now uh Edmonton's coach is pulling double (laughs) triple triple duty (laughs) whatever he's got uh, going on in Edmonton but it's a team that they seem to take one step forward two steps back and I I don't I don't think they have BC on the schedule anymore so maybe they'll keep going (laughs) forward a little bit week after week but the changes keep coming in Edmonton uh, some releases Charles Nelson has been released he's been doing he's on the return duties so far this season Charles Nelson's a CFL veteran so I think there was an expectation or a hope that he would add some stability to the special team system in Edmonton just not meant to be and it just has been a special teams graveyard since it feels like number two Gizmo Williams. It's been a long time <laughs> in Edmonton since they've been able to have a solid return game. And hey, even a cover game. Mario Alford having a return touchdown last week against Saskatchewan too. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've released the DB Ethan McConzo, the brother of Enoch McConzo, a draft pick this year, and receiver Hakeem 
Butler. And going into this game against Ottawa, they're going to be without their center, David Beard. And Ottawa's defensive line has been giving some people a little bit of fits here and uh-huh. there. They're, they're a bit of a bright spot for that team, I think. Yeah, for sure. Especially Lorenzo uh, Malden, uh, the fourth. Uh, yeah. He is quickly <laughs> becoming a big fan favorite. And uh, I'm trying to, I can't remember if Paul Police introduced him as the sack machine or the sack monster at the women's training camp a couple weeks ago, but either, either nickname fits. Um, and he is, uh, he is a beast on that D line. So um, I'm expecting, yeah, I'm expecting the defense, the defensive line to really, uh, to really give it their all because this is a big opportunity for them, especially with the center sitting this game out. It's funny because the talk in Edmonton is that these two games against Ottawa, it's a home and home here, that it's kind of funny. Both teams struggle at home here too. So I, I know. I, I could <laughs> Something's got to break. <laughs> is Edmonton going to end that, you know, 1,000-day home losing streak? Or is Ottawa going to steal a couple wins here? But the thought in Edmonton is that if they can win a game or two here, then they're in the West Division playoff hunt. Now, losing to Saskatchewan makes it a bit tougher to catch them for a crossover spot. But to write off Ottawa who's only, what, four points behind Montreal and Hamilton, who... (laughs) Amazing. Thank you, Eastern Conference. (laughs) This is actually a massive game and a massive Uh couple games that could decide a playoff spot for either team, which is crazy to talk about at this point in this season. It absolutely. And, and it goes to show you, right, how anything can happen in, in this crazy league of ours. But, uh, it's, this is, we've said this almost every week on our show, every game that Ottawa has played has been eminently winnable, but surely this game is the <laughs> most winnable and really important. It's a real, they have to get the home game monkey off yeah. their back if they're going to get it, if they're going to have a chance to move forward in the East uh, for the rest of the season. And they just, they have to. I know they're taking it a game at a time, even less than that. They're taking it a play at a time at this stage and where they are at, at the season. Um, but they really need this win for sure. And I know Edmonton needs it uh, as well for, for staying alive in the, in the crossover hunt, but um, it'll be a battle. It'll be a battle because these are two desperate teams to stay alive. So no William Powell. Uh, what does Ottawa's run game look like? And I mean, if you get the second half Elks against the Riders, I think Ottawa's got a great shot. If you get a first half Elks defense <laughs> that they were playing against Saskatchewan, it's going to be a tough one mm-hmm. for Ottawa. But I think they need to get the running game going. It's been a struggle yeah. without William Powell, but how do they get that going this week? Well, you know, and even when they've had William Powell, he hasn't been putting up the numbers that we're used to seeing with William Powell. And again, part of that could be the play, the play calling just hasn't been what I think many of us expected it to be under Paula Police. It hasn't been as balanced as I think we would all like to see it. Uh, but what I have, so Jackson Bennett will likely, uh, get the, get the nod, um, which is super fun for the hometown crowd because Jackson went to university here at the University of Ottawa. So he, he is a hometown favorite. But he had some uh, great success in the preseason. And we, Paul Epelis has actually started to rotate him and Powell. 
and has we have seen some success on the ground when he's been rotating the two of them. So I expect, you know, Jackson to really want to uh, want to prove himself in front of his hometown. And, and I expect we'll see, uh, we'll see him uh, feature quite prominently um, in whoever starts at quarterback. <laughs> I think, I think they'll be relying on the run game, or at least I hope they will, Travis. They haven't yeah. had a balanced attack this year. And, and I really don't understand that. A quick note, uh, Devonte Deadman released by the Miami yes. Dolphins. Uh, he would have his rights with mm-hmm. Ottawa, although the return game with Terry Williams has been doing all right. Um, yeah. But I got to assume Deadman probably want to weigh out those NFL options between now and the end of training camp in a few weeks. But I'm sure you'd uh, like to see him back in red and black anyway. Well, there's no, I mean, there's no doubt he was, uh, he was oh, yeah. like a the bright spot last year, possibly. <laughs> he was one of the most Toronto. exciting, I think, in league the league. Wide. Yeah. In the league, for sure. And I, I got to say that obviously fans would be over the moon if Deadman came back. But I do have to say, every time I watch Terry Williams with that ball, I think to myself, it is just a matter of time. Yeah. He is always like one half a block away from busting loose and getting that return touchdown. And he has also been really exciting to watch. Um, And so, you know, dead, yes, Deadman is still under contract with us. So if, you know, at the end of the month, he decides to come back, I think that's the way that, uh, that Ottawa will definitely go on the return game. But I hope we still have room on our roster for Terry Williams, because we are liking what we are seeing from him as well. It's a Friday night doubleheader. The BC Lions, five and a half point favorites over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It's the Pure Later Tackle Hunger Game in Regina. So bring a donation, uh, cash or non-perishable food items. But <laughs> I, I wish I could go. I'm jealous of my friends in Saskatchewan that get to watch Nathan Rourke. I know. To see him in person, I mean, to watch him on TV is one thing, but this guy is special. And my Mm -hmm. my conversation with Glenn Suter earlier this month has been, enjoy the now. Let's not even talk about. Yep, I heard that. I think I'm going to try to not think about the future, but it's tough to... It's tough to remember we're 10 starts into a CFL career and he already looks like he's only 24 that mm-hmm. he's been playing for, you know, a decade. He just looks that that good and it's been it's been a treat to watch for everyone. Yeah, for sure and I am I I know your pain because I had to miss the BC game mm. in Ottawa because I had tested positive for COVID. No, yeah, so yeah. I couldn't go. I couldn't go to the game. Um, and I had to I had to miss my opportunity to see Nathan Rourke this year. And I, I'm gonna take Suter's advice and I'm I'm just gonna continue to enjoy the now and not think that I missed my chance. But I was thinking a little bit about it uh when I was reading through your notes here and I was thinking when was the last time we were this excited to see a quarterback enter the league? And it was probably, you know, the Bo Levi Mitchell Michael Riley. Era. It was it hasn't been, and and he is like running circles around what those guys were able to do in their first outings in the CFL, and they are two of the absolute best. So, it's in in our era of football, um, it's just so exciting to watch him and his attitude and his calmness, oh, and yeah, throwing two interceptions and brushing it off. Like, who is this man? <laughs> well, it, it's. It's the work he puts in off the field. And mm-hmm. I don't know if other teams will look at what the Lions have done and and 
and try to implement some of that. I, I truly think that they could change if they are able to keep him, which right now it's a bit of a luxury because he's on a rookie contract. They're not paying him Michael Riley money. Nope. So it's allowed them to build the defense and build the receiving core and keep the, uh, but they're basically the same team as last year, mm-hmm. which is a wild thing, but off the field, he's, He's putting in extra work with a, uh, you know, a conditioning coach. Like he's doing everything the right way. And I guess maybe other quarterbacks could look at it and be like, whoa, like Mm -hmm. what do I, at least that's my hope because (laughs) if every quarterback in the CFL was playing on this level, we would have, I, I think we would have full like ratings and, you know, attendance would be off the charts because when I think of Bo Mitchell, he wasn't, I mean, he's a great quarterback, but I think the biggest thing with him was the wins. Yeah. And just his winning percentage early in his career and right off the bat was incredible. And with Riley, he, he, he aired the ball out a lot, but it was the toughness. Yes. He yep. was always getting up no matter how many hits he took. But with Rourke, we kind of see it all. The yeah. wins, the airing it out, and yeah, he can run to and evade tacklers, but he doesn't seem, and it's good that he doesn't take the hits that Riley does, but he hasn't had to, and that's a testament to Jordan Maximic and the rest of the Lions' offense. Yeah, which, which, like you said, now that they've freed up yeah. some space in the salary cap, they've been able to invest in in an offensive line, and we're seeing we're just seeing you're right there's so many of the same players but they're just they've come together so very differently this season and he's just too much fun he's too much fun to watch and uh i i stay up for double headers now and i i didn't before <laughs> oh, this will be late this will be <laughs> late, will be for late you. one <laughs> so i uh i think it's a little bit different of a riders matchup than it was a few weeks ago there was mm-hmm. a lot of turmoil in rider nation and look i i know a lot of it has uh had ripple effects in Ottawa as well because of what was going on in Saskatchewan. But I, I, I look at them now, and it seems like just a few weeks ago it was all negative, all negative in Saskatchewan. And now there's a bit of a positive feeling, I think, coming out of Rider Nation a little bit here. And I, I'm i just fascinated by this matchup because the, the Riders are going to have a better defensive line uh, AC Leonard and Pete Robertson have been practicing and mm-hmm. Garrett Marino has been practicing as well. He is an impact on uh, the defensive line. And I, I see that Nick Marshall, I guess he'll probably be working on Dominic Rhymes and Roland Milligan might be working on Brian Burnham. They're not easy assignments, but I think, and I say this every second episode that the riders need to stay on the field. There's yeah. <laughs> Winnipeg did it against BC in their win. They had these long drives, running the ball, converting uh-huh. on second down. If the Riders can't do that, they're not going to win. That's yeah. that's the bottom line. And they haven't been able to get Jamal Morrow going in the last few weeks. No, and um, I, uh, Jason Moss has a tendency to some games he'll throw he'll throw his running back. Yeah. out there and leave his running back out there. And then other games, he kind of completely forgets that he has a running back and it's all Cody going through the air. And um, I agree with you. They have to, they have to eat up a lot of time on the clock. They have to keep Nathan Rourke 
off the field. And the only way to keep Nathan Rourke off the field is to stay on the field uh, as an, as an offense. So they've got their, they've got their um, work cut out for them for sure, because this BC defense has been, although they give up a lot of points, like they've, they, they've got a lot of wins, but the BC defense does give up a lot of points per game. Um, when, when I was going back and, and looking at that. So what I, what I um, like about the, um, what I like about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is the talent on their offense and their receivers in particular. And with Shaq Evans, I see in your notes has been hanging around practice. So him Kyron Moore too. It looks Kyron like Moore. Yep. next week's probably the week, but there's some big names that are getting ready to return with this home and home against BC. And I think what's yep. big is that Fajardo after the bye week seems to be feeling a bit better than he was against BC a few weeks ago. Um, it's something like 16-1 and one that the Riders are if he rushes for over 30 yards. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he was moving well against yeah. Edmonton. So yeah. if he's moving well against BC, that will bold well. And there's going to be a change on the offensive line in Saskatchewan. Former Ottawa Red Black, Natai Rogers, has been released. Mm-hmm. He's been getting a lot of penalties and uh, a lot of issues on the O-line. It's interesting that he didn't get benched. They just completely <laughs> cut bait with him, so he's no longer with the Riders. Uh, Jamal Campbell will be at right tackle. Andrew Lauderdale at left tackle. And remember, the last time these teams played, Saskatchewan got off to a 17-4 lead. Yep. And yeah. BC had 28 unanswered points. So <laughs> if they get a good start, I don't think you can stop the Lions from coming back. But an interesting, I was just looking at the stats. Suddenly, the Lions are allowing the least rushing yards per game in the CFL, 76.3 yards a game. And they're allowing the least passing yards per game. Just under 222 yards a game. So, look, I I don't think there have been games where the defense has had to be lights out, but they're also pulling their own (laughs) when it comes to this team. That's a full, it's a team on all three phases right now. Like, it's exactly what every coach wants, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's there's something else. So you're making me read when we get to our our <laughs> fantasy. You're making me rethink some of what I put up there with that last comment. But we'll get there when we get there. <laughs> so the reason, and I'll I'll say that I put Mario Alford in my uh, flex spot because I watched what the Stamps were able to do against BC last week in the return mm-hmm. game, mm-hmm. and I expect the Lions to be kicking the ball off a lot. <laughs> so the more kickoffs to Mario Alford, hey, the more chances that uh, he gets to make something happen. Um, no quarterback in the CFL has had three consecutive 400-yard games since somebody named Doug Flutie. Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> I heard he's good uh, since 1993. So that's what Rourke will be trying to match. Wow. Crazy, eh? Crazy. <laughs> That's how good he has been. And now we have a Saturday doubleheader. Uh, Montreal Alouettes, three-point favorites over the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I think this is another game like Ottawa-Edmonton that's going to be a grinder, mm-hmm. a, a battle here. Hey, I talked to Gary Stern on Monday. He's guaranteeing a Again. win. <laughs> I love it. He said he's not going to do it every week, but <laughs> he's guaranteeing this one. And I think... 
I actually think the Alouettes are in a good place here. They're coming off mm. a win against Hamilton. Uh, or, I'm sorry, against Winnipeg, yep. which is phenomenal. I, I, know, th- I know the way it went was uh, a lot of people will say uh, officiating helped mm-hmm. Montreal, missed field goal kicks uh, mm-hmm. helped Montreal as well. But credit to the Owls, yep. their defense was giving Winnipeg's offensive line trouble. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say Winnipeg's old line is better than Hamilton's. And if if they can play the same way this week, Ticats are in deep trouble, I think. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think um well, maybe I'll ask you maybe I'll ask you this question. I'm really curious about the Schilt uh the Schiltz factor though, going back to Montreal. Hey, good point. Um and Dane Evans won't be starting for uh I haven't seen how many weeks, but he like I know his shoulder he's not yeah. he's not in this week. And we've seen Matt, well, maybe it's just my Red Blacks lost memory, but Matt Schultz <laughs> has lit it up against my team in the past in that exact stadium. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of curious about what he's going to be able to do against I, I'm his a old fan team. of Schultz. Me too. Me too. And he's yeah. just a hard nosed player. Like mm-hmm. he gets hard yards running the ball. And, and I don't think they want him to leave the game. Like it happened against Toronto yeah. when he comes back and connects with Tim White on like the 60 yard touchdown. So he can make things happen. But if, I mean, if he's not going to have time in the pocket, yeah, yeah, then Montreal is going to give them give them some fits. And then mm-hmm. I see Hamilton's defenses; they're they're pretty banged up this week. Simone Lawrence, Jamal Roll, and Siante Evans haven't practiced yet. Those are three All Star caliber defenders in Hamilton. So I don't know is is Trevor Harris going to be able to have a? He seems like he's become. The game manager of the CFL is, you know, the, the new, the new Matt Nichols. New Matt Nichols. Yeah. (laughs) But he can, we've seen him throw for 400 yards and four or five touchdowns. He has the ability. He's got a Eugene Lewis that will be playing a banged up Hamilton defense. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm buying into the Gary Stern guarantee, but. (laughs) Well, no, I, you know, I think, I think a lot of people really like. Montreal and and it's kind of the team that a lot of us want to love right like I don't know there's something about the Montreal what's they play at McGill it's beautiful city and a beautiful stadium it's changed and, a little bit without Kahari I, will, I know it I'll is true that, it is true yeah, it has yeah. changed actually more than a little bit without Kahari for sure <laughs> yeah yeah I miss you, KJ seventeen. <laughs> and I love um, Vernon Adams. I, I yes, I, I you are a see big fan of Vernon Adams. Yeah. The thing about about Trevor Harris, just coming back to that, is like he, you just never know what kind of game you're going to get with him. You just never know. And I know this firsthand from his time <laughs> with the Red Blacks. Like he'll light it up. And he'll get tired of the critics saying that he he's not an elite quarterback and he can't get anything done in the red zone and he'll light it up. And then he'll go straight back to hmm, yawn Trevor Harris, right? So so I just don't I, – I never know what to expect. I never know that we can count on him. Um, so it'll be interesting if he can feed off of the momentum and, and, and really lead his guys. Like that's the other thing. I've never known if he is really – Gel, if he ever really gelled with the Red Blacks as a leader, I'm not 
entirely sure he did. And I always wonder, like, is there something that kind of holds him back a little bit from being able to connect with, with the players? So, so we'll see. I mean, if, if there's momentum to build off of it's, it's beating the Winnipeg blue bombers and and they, they have, they have a ton of tools, like you said, Um, it's just Trevor Harris and how dependable will he be in this game? And I think they need to get a second receiver really established in Montreal Mm -hmm. over the last few years. Jake Winicky has yeah. been a guy that has been, well, touchdown Jake. He, I think he's earned yeah. that nickname. But this year he hasn't really been able to gain any consistency as the, the second uh, target in uh, in Montreal's offense. If they can get both those guys going. And I, I think I think there were some positives last week with the rushing game. Tavian Feaster had his first game, and he had over six yards of carry. They only gave him six or seven carries. Um, because I know with the ratio, they want to get Antwi still in there. But getting a running back going after William Stanback has gone down, I think would be big. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chandler Worthy back in there, he had some magic early in the season. And we could see some good special teams play in this one because Lawrence Woods, he is on pace for 1,324 return yards. Good enough to be second to Gizmo Williams' record of 1,440. He's also on pace to break Brandon Banks' team record in kickoff returns. So he's getting chunks of yards mm-hmm. at a time, and that makes it easier on Hamilton's offense if they can continue to start with shorter fields. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I didn't I didn't see that Lawrence Woods was on pace for that close to Gizmo. That's pretty that's pretty well, damn impressive. Hundred and you know, sixteen yards short if he keeps up at mm-hmm. this pace, which mm-hmm. I know we're we're barely halfway through the season. A lot can happen and a, oh, a lot can change. Fun to speculate though. That's it why is. we do this. <laughs> Absolutely. That's exactly why we do this. Okay. Toronto Argonauts, home to the Calgary Stampeders. The Stamps are two-and-a-half-point favorites here. So it's uh, Calgary West versus Calgary East. Uh, if you believe our good friend Ryan Ballantyne, <laughs> John Huffnagel and Dave Dickinson uh, have built basically both of these rosters. <laughs> but I'll mention this. In Toronto, your ticket gets you an entry into the CNE. And one of my favorite things is when the fairs come around and look at these crazy food items that uh, the Stampede and the CNE come out with. Did you look at this Mac list? and cheese <laughs> lemonade? I don't know about that. I, I no deep fried coffee. No coffee is not, coffee is just coffee. Like come okay, on, that one actually sounds pretty cool to me. <laughs> oh my god! I like the 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 thought of the giant mozzarella sticks. Like how big are we talking? Because I love mozza sticks. If they just threw a block of mozza in there and give me a bucket of uh, marinara, I would. <laughs> well, I think we found your next. Uh, we might have found your next two and out live uh, eating contest, mozza sticks. <laughs> I, I might be flying to Toronto for this game. Like, <laughs> wow, squid cakes, uh, spice cream, cakes. mac and cheese pizza. That sounds pretty good. Okay, I would eat mac and cheese pizza. hundred <laughs> percent, I would eat mac and cheese pizza. Like, How about- just- <laughs> Give me the carbs, all the carbs. <laughs> the, 
the Dole Whip Pineapple Split and the Pickle Split, which is a banana split with a twist. A pickle split. Are we talking? Oh. And then finally, we have ketchup and mustard ice cream. No, no, (laughs) no. Travis, I'm actually an ice cream aficionado. You are. I make ice cream and I've made some weird ass flavors. Like I've made blue cheese and honey ice cream. And it's delicious. But ketchup and mustard belong on hot dogs and only hot dogs. They don't belong near 35% whipping cream. I feel (laughs) like. The mustard has to be a little bit more normal than the, I don't know, the ketchup. That know. one really. It's all weird. Yeah. So you can go to the Argos and Stamps and then you can go to the <laughs> CNE and have some ketchup ice cream. <laughs> ugh, ugh. <laughs> Dave Dickinson is eight in one as a coach against the Toronto Argonauts. But the big news this week is Andrew Harris. Mm-hmm. Ooh, torn pectoral muscle, and there was a hope that maybe he wouldn't require surgery and miss four to six weeks, but now it's going to require surgery, and he's going to miss the rest of the season. I believe by next year he would be 36 years old. I really hope it is not the end of the CFL career of Andrew Harris. I believe he's third all to- well, he's third this season in rushing, And he had 100-yard games against Saskatchewan and Winnipeg, so Mm -hmm. he still had it if they were able to get him involved in the offense. And I really hope it's not the end for him, but injury issues last year for the Bombers and now uh, season-ending injury before Labor Day for Andrew Harris. Tough to see for him, tough to see for the Argos. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I feel like I should be bashing Andrew Harris, by the way, if I'm standing in for Ty, but, <laughs> but I won't. I won't. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything bad about Andrew. Uh, I will say, though, this is exactly why the Bombers took the decision that they took. All of a um, sudden, like Winnipeg you know, was like, with, struggling with the running game. Now they have that going. Yep, Brady's have, number one actually in the in the league right now at running now, too. So Harris and now, is out. Yeah, so you know you. This is exactly why Winnipeg took the decision they took. I hate when we say that a thirty-five-year-old is old because that's ten whole years younger than me. <laughs> But a running back takes a lot, a lot of punishment in the course of a career. And um, I I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not Andrew Harris's biggest fan, but this is not how I want to see his career end. And certainly didn't want to see his season end like this. And I understand he even sent the images to his doctor in Winnipeg to get a second opinion to make sure that he could, that he absolutely had to have the surgery. And yeah. No, it's it's not good news for the Argos, and and we'll have to wait and see what Wallet is able to do stepping into that role. I, I look at the carries from 2015 to 2019. <laughs> 2015, 222 carries. 2016, 195. 2017, 189. And then 2018, 239 carries. 2019. 225 carries, but then, oh man, 2016, 77, no, he had 67 catches, 2017, 105 catches. There is, it's not much of an exaggeration that this guy was taking, you know, 300 hits a year. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, yeah, longevity, 
Um, and he had a very productive career, obviously, over 10,000 yards. And he did have 490 rushing yards this season. But, yeah, hopefully it doesn't end that way. Not everybody has the end of a career like Henry Burris, right? Where no. And but now you understand. I think we all understand why Henry went when he did because he didn't want the ending to be something like this, right? Like he went out on a high, and he could have come back as a Great Cup champion. But yeah. I think he knew my knee is not going to give me another season, and I don't, I don't want this to happen. So um, I don't know. We'll have to see what Andrew decides at the end of this season, and and if he thinks he can come back for another. Part of me just thinks it's in his personality. He doesn't want to go out this way. Yeah, I kind of think that too, and uh, it's also a business, so we'll see what uh, what teams want to offer Andrew Harris come next year. And you're right about AJ Olette. I I'm a fan of this guy. He mm-hmm. he seems to run hard, um, but he he can take some punishment too. He got beat up against Hamilton last week, and I want to see the rookie Daniel Adababoye start to have a bigger role in the Argos offense. Just drafted this year, contributing on special teams. I think he only had one carry in week one, but maybe this does open up the door for him. And I think he's the future of the backfield in Toronto. So if it does start a little bit early this year, see another Canadian running back and a local kid. Yep. Get that guy on the billboards outside of BMO and let's uh, let's start getting people supporting him in Toronto. We're also seeing Cam Phillips out three to four weeks with a groin injury and he started to carve out a role in the Argonauts offense. Tough to see that he won't be playing. And I don't know if you saw that at the end of the uh, Argos game in Hamilton last year. Was it Tommy Neald? Is that his name? The, the young Canadian receiver who had a big play. And then, yeah, Tommy Neald. And he was running along the sideline and sort of the uh, LED boards. There was some padding, I think, to cover up the... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rolls his ankle after this big play, and he's going to be out two to three weeks yeah. now. So Toronto is, they're not the healthiest team right now, just when maybe you thought they had an opportunity to gain some distance in the East Division. I don't know if it's going to happen. And I i used to be a big, well, I think I still am. I, I think McLeod Bethel-Thompson can be a good quarterback in the league. It's just, how do you make it happen two or three weeks in a row? It's, yeah, it's yeah always that's a struggle, isn't it? It's, never it's know that, what you're going to get. Kind of like, what we just said about Trevor Harris, yeah. maybe even a little bit, maybe even a little bit more. So uh, with McLeod Bethel Thompson, I, I, uh, I think he's, I like you, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. It's just, it's the consistency and it's the, he seems to be very easily rattled, which is, uh, which doesn't help. Um, you know, we talked earlier about Nathan Rourke, who's always so even keeled and can shake yeah. things off. Uh, it looks like MBT always has a bit of a harder time with that. And interesting to know, I, I'm really, really interested in the dynamics between him and his coach right now after the last game. Uh, where Dinwiddie has made some spectacularly bad coaching calls, including not going for it on third and third and one. Um, was it last game or the game before? But they've they've had some friction. MVP and Dinwiddie, game, yeah. yeah. So you know, interesting to see how that's going to impact uh, their dy- their dynamic in this game. Uh, and it is an important one because they can put some distance between them and uh, and the rest of the <laughs> really bad East. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, Ben Grant in the uh, from the X's and Argos podcast. Uh, he's a big fan of McLeod Bethel Thompson, and he shared some stats of his uh, performance inside the red zone this year. Inside the twenty-five, he's nineteen of twenty-eight. 68% completion percentage, six touchdowns, zero interceptions. So he's not – there seems to be a narrative that McLeod Bethel-Thompson has sort of uh, been choking uh, inside the red zone. But I think at the same time, they haven't really been able to have a consistent receiving core. Eric Rogers has been injured. Yeah. Juwan Breskison yeah. has been injured. And there hasn't been the consistency – sort of uh, developed between Brandon Banks and and the offense. And mm-hmm. early in the season, it just seemed like, I don't know, they weren't getting along at all. It almost seemed like Brandon Banks didn't want to be there. It yeah. still is kind of weird to see him in double blue, but hopefully they get that figured out because... And you know what? Watching Brandon Banks return to Hamilton was... Uh, I wanted, maybe this is just me hoping for chaos a little bit. <laughs> I wanted him to go to Hamilton and play the heel. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm at yeah, our door yeah. now. Yeah. But that wasn't Brandon Banks. He uh-huh. loved his time with the Ticats. And uh, I think it's hard for him to still put on that boat helmet a little mm-hmm. bit. Well, you spend your whole career yeah. really with that, your arch enemy, uh, or you spend your whole career with one team that is now all of a sudden your arch enemy. That's, that's gotta be weird. Absolutely. It's it's gotta be hard to get in the headspace of being an Argo for him. (laughs) I, I, I agree. He must be, I mean, I think it shows in his play this year. He's been fairly insignificant in terms of making things happen out there. Calgary's not healthy either. So we got to mention that, um, Kadeem Carey's been limited in practice. Um, we'll see if he, he plays. Uh, Diedrich Mills didn't practice Tuesday, but he was back on Wednesday. I think the good thing about the Stampeders have options in the backfield. They're they're good there. Peyton Logan, Kadeem Carey, Diedrich Mills, those guys could maybe start across the across the CFL. Um, Jalen Philpott hasn't practiced and he had a touchdown and he had a big uh, return for 70 some yards against BC last week. Richie Sindani, not practicing Deontay Ruffin, not practicing. He had a bigger role in the secondary with Raheem Wilson getting released now in Montreal, by the way, uh, Malik Henry, not practicing Reggie Bagleton not didn't practice Wednesday. And it's been tough for both to gain some, consistency with his receivers this isn't going to help that at all either no and i i was struck when i saw that dickinson's record against toronto was eight and one because i for some reason i had it in my head that particularly bo levi mitchell struggles in toronto too like he's 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 obviously he's won some of those games in toronto if the record is eight and one but i i have this like vague recollection that he often struggles these are not his best games so you know, he's going back into a place that he doesn't always play well, where he lost the Great Cup. In I was going to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> I got to mention something good about the Red Blacks on this podcast. Um, you know, it's it's not his favorite place to play, I don't think. Uh, he does have, like you said, he's he's not had consistency with all these injuries. It's just a bit of a rotating door. So, you know, neither team looks like they are able to bring no. their best game forward. But it really is... 
he hasn't Bolivai Mitchell hasn't played spectacular games the last couple of outings. So this, this is an opportunity for Toronto for those reasons. It is, you know, at home last year, they, I don't think they lost until the East final. So they're tough to beat at home and the Argo faithful do get quite loud. And just a few weeks ago, I think people were writing off the riders for finishing and going through the West for the playoffs. But if you look at the standings now, Calgary's five and three, the Riders are five and four, yep. and the Stamps and Riders have yet to play. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> suddenly with that loss to BC, the, the Stamps need a win here too if they want to make it through the West and go to the playoffs and have a home playoff game. They're, they're two games behind the Lions, and I still... I don't know. It, it feels tough to write off the Lions. I don't know. But to, to have two wins at Mosaic Stadium, possibly for BC, would be huge for them to go in the Western playoffs. But Calgary and Toronto, I mean, if Toronto wins this, the Stamps and the Argos have the same record. Yep. Yeah. Wild. It is. It's wild. <laughs> I love I love the CFL. <laughs> <laughs> Did you make a fantasy lineup? I did. And can I tell you, uh, Travis, the reason I don't play in our CFPN fantasy league is because I get obsessed, like obsessed to the point of not sleeping and fiddling around with my lineup until the very last minute. And then I go to work the next day and I'm like garbage because I don't sleep. So if I get hooked, it's It's your fault. fault. Okay. Totally your fault. I want to. I want to see what your or hear what your lineup looks like. But I totally made a lineup. Although based on some of our conversation, I feel like I might have to relook at it. Um, I forgot to write down how much I had left on the table, but I oh, think that's it was fine. About, I think it was about three hundred dollars. So okay. at QB, despite everything we just said, and maybe because of some of what we just said, I actually went with McLeod Bethel Thompson. Um, Calgary doesn't always. Um, have their best outings necessarily at BMO. So I, I went with, I went with McLeod. Hey, and at, they gave up uh, almost 300 passing yards in the fourth quarter against Nathan Rourke. I know um, MBT is not Nathan Rourke. But. He's not, but that, but that's the thing about MBT too, actually, is he, he always has like monster yard passing yards. Like he's really got some great, stats if you take away the interceptions yeah. uh, that he throws, right? So this is a risk, I know, but uh, but I decided to go with MBT. I spent mo- a lot of money on my running back, though. I did. I decided to put Jamal Morrow in. And, you know, your point earlier about he, they haven't got him going lately. He was averaging over five yards a carry the last time they played BC. Um, and he only got eight carries, but if they get him going and, yeah. you know, like we were saying, eat up time keep the offense on the field if they use him properly and then my second running back was Jackson Bennett um and then at wide receiver I put in Dominic Rhymes uh and can't argue that no can't argue that can't (laughs) argue that uh and Tyson Philpott actually because he's been having some uh, both of I I don't know if it's because I'm really plugged in and I think all podcasters are probably anybody that would press play on a CFL podcast but I'm just blown away by both the Philpot brothers this year yeah yeah um, a lot like of they, times 
they rookies. they just slid right into the league and they look like they've been playing this whole time. Yeah, they because well, as a rookie in the CFL, you have to contribute on special teams, and both of them have made dynamite plays on special teams, whether it's tackling or returning the ball. So yeah. I'm a fan of both of those brothers. It's yeah. awesome to see. And and they have had Tyson in a few times. Um, they have had him in yeah. uh, offensively a few times, and he's made some really stunning catches. So um, I needed to save a bit of money. <laughs> so, <laughs> to get rhymes in there. To yep. get rhymes in there, I needed to save a bit of money. My flex is Terry Williams. We talked about him. I feel like he's always just like an inch away from a touchdown yeah, return. Yeah. And then my defense is actually the Ottawa Red Blacks. Because if they were able to contain Calgary the way they contained Calgary, this defense is definitely capable of containing the Edmonton Elks. Um, and so, yeah, that's my lineup. I think I had about 300 bucks left on the table. Awesome. I'm, I put Nathan Rourke in. I, uh, I saw that. You went for the <laughs> money. Like, just boom. He, uh, the last few weeks, he, yeah, he's been an absolute monster. Well, the whole season. So, and uh, I like uh, cheering for the guys that are in my lineup. So, there you go. I, I got AJ Olette in there. Uh, Bruce Anderson, who uh, was the running back for BC last week. But we'll see. If James Butler's ready to go, then I will have to call. Yes. And, <laughs> An audible there. I might, I actually play, if Anderson doesn't play, I'll probably put Feaster of Montreal in there and and do that. So Keon Hatcher has been uh, matched up with uh, Nathan Rourke for me, and he's caught every target his way over the past two weeks. I think it's 11. So he's been, uh, he's been playing well with Rourke and Nate Bahar. Yeah. uh, I put him as my second receiver. He good for you. He uh, he gets a lot of targets, and he seems to become like a trusted guy in the Ottawa offense as a possession kind of guy. I was just gonna say that when the chips are down and and they yeah. need they need somebody, Bahar has no quit. He has no quit, and he's clearly got some chemistry going with Caleb Evans. And when things go south, they go to Bahar, and Bahar gets you yards. So I really liked your pick there. I thought that was... I didn't want to be too much of a homer and like <laughs> jack my lineup, but that's a good pick. <laughs> and I picked Mario Alford. I just... Yeah. Well, if BC is going to be scoring touchdowns, he's going to be... And he was my pick for Special Teams Player of the Year, which I think is actually a wide open race right now. Mm-hmm. It... That's going to be an interesting one at the end of the season. And my yeah. defense is the uh, Montreal Alouettes. I think they'll be able to get to, get the Schiltz or whoever's in the Hamilton backfield and and create some havoc. I will be against Adam from the Canadian Football Countdown. And Ty has our good friend Andrew from the Turf District in the CFL Podcast Fantasy League. Who are you picking to win the games this week? Well... Even though I'm picking the Ottawa Red Blacks as my defense, I, I, I just maybe it's superstition. Maybe I just been burned too many times at home, but I picked the Elks. Hey, and then if the Red Blacks win, you're happy. But if Edmonton wins, you're like, hey, I gotta. I, I'm a genius. I'm a football genius. I yeah. picked the winners. Uh, I picked. I picked the Lions. I picked Hamilton uh, against Montreal, and I picked the Argos against Calgary. Okay, Red Blacks, uh, Lions, Alouettes. Oh, and I put Boatman. No, I, I'm changing that. To the You're stampers. changing that. So then, then one of us is really like yeah. now we're almost completely different. 
I got it. I got it. I got to pick Calgary there. Uh, this episode of Two and Out is brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation, and the foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund yourself or with a group, and once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. Vital Signs is an annual checkup conducted by the Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with the Edmonton Social Planning Council to measure how the community is doing. This year's focus is on making ends meet in Edmonton. You can learn more at ecfoundation.org. I'm Travis Kura. Janine of Mouchoir, a Red Blacks podcast, has been on to help me get you ready for week 11. The podcast is going to be returning next week for you, hopefully discussing, well, for okay. your sake... And Ottawa win. win. I would love that. I would really, really love that. <laughs> Won't somebody think of Michaela and I <laughs> get us a win to talk about, please? <laughs> I I think it would be nice if Ottawa won at home and Edmonton won at home. I know you would like to say Ottawa win both games, but if both teams could get some win on home turf, like somebody think about the fans in the stands. <laughs> Hey, and, hey, Ottawa, they're averaging, what, about 20,000 people in the stands, and I think that's a remarkable number. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, Ottawa's a football town, and they want to see is. some wins. So yep. good luck thank uh, you, at Travis. TD Place. And thank you for having me on the show today. It's been It's been a total blast. It's been awesome to talk to you about football. Again, you can rate, review, and subscribe to Two and Out in your favorite podcatcher. We'll talk to you on Monday. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.